This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 445, recorded on May 14th, 2020. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find your way into your home. News reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a, Mike, summer could come any day. Like, it just keeps... <laughs> but the lawn has never looked greener. Oh, it I, is You know, great. that the rain we've yeah. been getting lately, which we weren't yeah. getting earlier this season has kicked in and man yeah. that lawn is green it is it's pretty great it's pretty easy to be a lawn hero we had of course yeah. big thanks to dave mccabe who was on last week talking about his lawn richard are you a lawn guy do you no okay <laughs> <laughs> my wife is the green thumb the gardener okay. a lady right. comes once a week to help her with that so i don't even mow the lawn okay oh, man i plug the lawnmower in on friday morning so the battery can charge up that's it that's it how did you that's luck out it. on that? On, well, just this, you guys just decided that's how you're going to split it. That's it, it's okay. her thing. Yeah. Yep. No, <laughs> no, right on. And do you guys have, you have an extensive lawn? Do you have a big, Oh, we do. We got a good size lawn. I we're on just under an acre here, I think. And uh, so we have a big that's front. Cool. We, we're on one of those lots. that's on the curve. So it kind of, it kind of gets wider as you move to the front from the back and the back's pretty wide. So uh, yeah, we got a good chunk of lawn here. Yeah, Mike, I saw some grass. That's what you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then you get, I mean, the rain and you're you're down in Florida. So that that gets covered pretty well. It gets pretty warm, but it's pretty moist down there. Mike, you, you, I saw some pictures you got out last weekend. We, I did too. I've mowed twice since Dave was on the show. Have you really? I I, I wanted to so bad, but with the rain and stuff, it's been so wet. You know, last night and stuff like that, that I haven't been able to get out for a second. Actually, mow. three times. So we, we podcasted Wednesday. Jeez. I went out and mowed Friday afternoon because I was like, okay, my it's getting it was pretty thick. So I got that done. And then uh, Sunday, no, Saturday afternoon, I did it again because Dave's like, you know, do it twice. You know, just get out there, just knock it out, right? So then nothing. Then Tuesday, there was enough to to mow it again. So I went out and, and mowed Tuesday. And we have rain Wednesday, Thursday. So but I'm gonna try and mow either tomorrow or, or a Saturday. But big thanks to Dave for getting us. All that lawn care stuff. Dave did a great job. It was a super popular show, Dave. Thanks for coming on uh, and for doing that. Of course, we posted that show, uh, 444, along with full transcripts and show notes. That's out there. Some pretty good show notes. Dave mentioned a few products, and if you haven't gone out and listened to it yet, catch the show notes, HGG444 for that show, and then theaverageguy.tv slash HGG445 for this one. We may not have a lot, but we'll have full transcripts that are available. Of course, you can listen mobile on on the road or or maybe walking the dog. You're still on the road when you're walking the dog. So walking the dog, mowing the lawn, uh, doing the dishes, whatever chores you have, vacuuming. Throw us in, stream us live, homegadgetgeeks.com if you want to do it that way. Then don't forget, you can also follow the show schedule. I've got some scheduling to do right now, but uh, head out to the average guy dot eventbrite.com and you'll see the schedule you see rich's show that's out there right now if you want to get it done that way and then subscribe while you're there subscribe go out to the average guy.tv slash subscribe subscribe to the newsletter i didn't send one this week but we'll get one this weekend um as well we have rich hay with us tonight rich is a longtime friend podcaster rich i think i've known you for almost as many years as i've known most of the folks around here eight seven eight nine years yeah. now going on welcome back to home gadget geeks Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We were just saying it's been since November. It was early November time frame, I think, or mid-November that I was last here. 
Yeah, and I think this like, is your ninth like or so tenth long time. Ago. It seems like you, so long ago too. You've been. You, it does. Lots of lots of things happen. Lots but has happened. When we were in the in the pre-show, we were kind of talking about communication platforms, and yeah. we didn't plan on this, but I'm gonna do it anyways. There have been so many. Okay, Zoom, of course, has popped up as being kind yeah. of the leader, you know, in, in on this. But then, uh, Rich, I think you said, and I saw it too. Google has announced that Meet is available now for folks yeah. who want to use it, right? So Meet dot. Is it meet.google? Yeah. I, I think yeah. it's meet.google.com. Yeah. And then um, what else, Rich, what else have you been, uh, you know, Chris, we use StreamYard to do the podcast, but what else, what other platforms have you been using? You mentioned Teams, right? You're, you you yeah, use teams, teams for the MVP? Um, yep. MVP Summit went virtual this year because the, all this COVID stuff started just a few weeks ahead of Summit and they decided to go virtual. That was all done in Microsoft Teams and it was actually a very good experience. I, was, I wasn't planning to go this year because I couldn't because of class schedules, but when it went virtual, I was like, yeah, I'll get in there. So I, I did and it was great. It really was. I you know, when you consider everybody streamed from their homes, the Microsoft yeah. folks were in their own houses and their own home offices. We were all wherever we were and doing the video chat thing. It held up very well. They had a few hiccups. I think Microsoft in general, and I think the big tech companies in general, as all this work from home remote stuff kind of picked up initially, they had some hiccups, but I think Microsoft and the others got some, you know, resources spun up pretty quick to, to take care of that load. And in fact, what was the number? Uh, 75 million daily users on Teams is what Satya Nadella shared a couple of weeks mm -hmm. ago at their uh, third quarter uh, fiscal, their financials at the end of the third quarter. So, and then of course, Zoom said we've got 300 million and then came back a little later and said, nah, actually we don't have 300 million, but we have this. So they adjusted their numbers, but I've been on it's Zoom a because- a lot. We, it's a, they've got a it's lot a of lot. users yeah. and they got caught off guard because oh, sure. they've had to deal with a lot of security type stuff, mm -hmm. even though they were a pretty big user base. I'm not sure why they weren't working on security at the time, but they kind of got forced. So you got Google meets now messenger, Facebook just released messenger rooms as another way to chat with people. Uh, that's available in the messenger app or on the Facebook website or Facebook app. That actually uh, works pretty easy from a, from a guy who uses StreamYard to do the podcast, um, I, my sister called me on using Facebook Messenger, the, 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 and that's actually as easy to connect to as a Hangout as, as yep. this was. Right? There's no no plugins to install, no nothing. You just connect. There's some there's some basic controls in it. It works and, well. And, and you've always been able to do face call, you know, video calls yeah. on Messenger. But right. this is an opportunity to now bring more people into that. And we've used Zoom for family family calls. So we've yep. got family on my wife's side over in the UK and Italy with the boys. So we've been connected with them a few times. We did a big Hey family call one Sunday afternoon. There was like 17 or 18 of us on the call between brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, nieces, nephews, and everything. So it's – and then, of course, you know, Microsoft announced their Microsoft 365 stuff the big changes coming with personal and um, family and now mm -hmm. teams being available for family use mm -hmm. and Skype, they added Skype, got some upgrades. They've got a thing in there called meet now. So you can do the similar type of thing and have a multi-person call. Yeah. I've been loving teams. I live in teams pretty much all day, 
and constantly on video calls. And that thing has been really rock solid, especially I'd say for the last month, maybe in the first few weeks there when everyone was probably starting to yeah, load it, maybe did. a few hiccups, but ever since then it's been great. Only feature I really want them to release there is the ability to call in via my phone to a video call yeah. only because I have, my boss has terrible internet connectivity. He fails on every other, every platform. doesn't matter which platform it is, but when he can call in, at least his audio is clear. Even if his video starts to go in and out, it's the only feature right. I wish they had there. Um, but it, yeah, I agree. Teams has been fantastic. We use zoom on the family side. My grandma, who is not a tech person at all, my uncle went over and set her up with an iPad and, and put it on there, and she got to Zoom all the kid grandkids, and she just thought that was Very the cool. coolest thing she had ever seen. She had never even seen that technology work, and so it's been it's been cool to see those different companies and how you utilize them in the family space and the workspace. I've been pretty impressed so far, to be honest. Oh, yeah, it's been a boon. Don't get me wrong. I said this in my last podcast, you know. It's great that the companies are bragging about the increase in numbers and the users, right? The real, the real, so, so Spotify's reporting record number of subscribers and listeners and all these services are reporting big increases, right? Big hockey stick type increases. But will they retain that when all this settles down? That will be a good point of, mm-hmm. you know, looking at and seeing if that happens. But good on them for having the tools available and being able to get out in front of it. And that's got to be the hardest part when you think of being like uh, the, the project manager for some of these, right? And you're planning out resources and you're trying to figure out cost wise, okay, do we spin up a bunch of you know new servers to support this? What do we need? And then do we have the ability that if we're going to start paying for that, do we have the ability to quickly cut those off after this whole spike? Um, if we're, Otherwise, they're going to go under real quick if they're paying for all that and not having any income stream come in. So it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully it's not too big of a headache for them. And hopefully it's uh, the providers of the data centers and stuff are working with them on that. Yeah, Brian, and, and I think so. Brian in chat says he's been using WebEx uh, for staff work meetings. Have you guys been using any of the other go to meeting or uh, any, any of those yeah. varieties? WebEx is Cisco, right? That's Cisco WebEx, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, That's what so. you see on the news yep. channels when you're interviewing mm-hmm. people remotely and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. That's what no, we I use as well for work. So anything external. Yeah, we're teams completely for work, for yeah. Informa, uh, using teams for, um, uh, in fact, you know, builds coming up. Now, I know we're going to talk about build next for next week, but uh, build set the media up a Microsoft team site. And so we've got a channel that we can go into and make contact with the WAG Ed folds and the PR people and, and reps and stuff like that to get content. And that's where they're sharing all the, the embargoed material and stuff with this. So it, it, they're using teams for anything and everything. Yeah, I mean, they really are. I think the media, though, has had a pretty good impact on WebEx, with especially compared to Zoom, because I, I use WebEx all the time. It's the account I have through work, so all my external meetings are done through WebEx. I was shocked the amount of comments they get like, oh, man, we got to use WebEx. It's so clunky. Like, why aren't we using Zoom? And, I mean, I see a tad difference, but not enough for like, everyone to make comments. I think everyone's honestly seeing the hype of how great Zoom is and how it's making everyone else look bad, and it's just almost, like, ingrained in them, but they haven't really – you can't really point to anything that says Zoom is better than WebEx. I have zero problems with WebEx, but the amount of comments I get on why we're not using Zoom is has surprised me. Yeah, uh, it, it, teams go, ahead. go ahead, Rich. Well, I was going to say the whole Zoom thing, right? I'll tell you one thing that Zoom forced people like Teams to do. I know Teams for sure. It's to Teams defaulted to like viewing two of the members of the call, right, on the screen. Yeah. Well, they're about to release the three by three grid because Zoom had that. 
Mm -hmm. Right. So that is Zoom has influenced this industry in a way that I don't think anybody could have predicted before all the COVID stuff. Zoom set the standard really fast, whether they intended to or not. That became despite their security issues. Well, totally. I mean, they they admitted that they were they wanted to be the easy to connect. We're going to default to easy instead of security every single time. Right. I I think they admitted to that. Now they've had to kind of play catch up and they're kind of coming back on that. But certainly they they big update they yeah. just released oh, yeah. five so yeah we're getting weekly updates in the enterprise for zoom oh. so we we split between zoom and teams and it just kind of depends on what what we're trying to do with it so if we're trying to broadcast we're going to use the the webinar software from zoom that's just the way it, it's going to go internally for everybody in the company that really just makes the most sense for us no but for for no no but for for a lot of our internal stuff when it's just a couple people teams is where we go because we can share okay. stuff in there right and so right. when you're doing work i'm sharing spreadsheets i'm working with, on with folks messages are there you can do both you know you can you can leave both messages and speak right, in the right. same channel i mean that's super convenient over zoom not not a lot of that stuff gets saved. And I, honestly, I don't think we want that stuff getting saved oh, on gotcha, Zoom gotcha, yeah. at this point, right? So the, the teams are secure. There's some things and there's some, I, I imagine when this is over, we'll probably, um, and Microsoft's got everything kind of buttoned down on on Teams. We'll probably try to make another run at 100% Teams. That, that That's gotcha. just kind of, that's that will probably be, we'll keep a Zoom account around for, for some crazy things when we absolutely have to use it that way. But I think that's been uh, a lot of people. Alex said, uh, he told in the chat room, uh, there he goes. Alex said, yeah, Teams for us misses having the contact list being separate, like in Skype. Um, and there's some Teams has still got some features to go. Um, it'll yeah, be they're working hard. They're, they've accelerated some stuff as Google, Google rolled out yet another product. Yeah, and they, they have a couple different ways um, to do that. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I think we still have a long summer, Rich. Um, you know, you were talking about Build. Let's just talk about that really quick here. Okay. You're going to connect. Build's going to be virtual, not only this year, but already committed to next year. The MVP yeah. Summit was MVP already committed, summit. right, to yep. be virtual. So next year, yep. you know that you're going to be in that virtual. As we think about uh, Microsoft, you're following them uh, really, really close. You report on them. As we go into the summer and you think about build, give me some idea. What are you excited? What kind of things, you know, the 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 new updates are rolling out. They're not terribly exciting because they're just getting fit and finished and stability into them. But what, what are you getting excited about? Um, well, everybody, well, most of the guys in this chat room, I would imagine, are aware that we're about they're about to roll out the May 2020 update, the feature update for the first half of this year. Uh, that's going to be known as Windows 10 version 2004. Um, and the target is the last week of May. There was uh, actually a leaked, uh, not it wasn't leaked, it was posted by a team called the Driver Roadmap Team or something like that last week. And it basically showed the three days of the month of May that are laid aside for feature update release. Hmm. It, it circled in yellow. Uh, it even had a legend that said feature update. So we know it's coming late May. And even Mary Jo Foley reported on that. I think she had that date beforehand. So we're getting a May 2020 update. This is what it, my uh, Windows 10 will be five years old in July, mm-hmm. right? So it'll be the, it's July 2015 was when that first release was done. So at the five-year point, we've had uh, a feature update every year. Some of the early years we had two. Uh, I suspect that this fall update is going to be another small one, right? Like last year, yeah. kind of stability yeah. and things of that nature. 
Um, and you're right. It's kind of, you know, there used to be this, this kind of excitement about new features, but I, I just don't know that we have a whole lot more to go on windows 10 to be feature, you know, to add these whiz bang features. Mm -hmm. It's running well for me. I run it across a whole lot of different devices in different, different places, but so it'll be interesting to see this because, you know, they just recently made a change, right? So they've dropped skip ahead. Skip ahead ring is gone. It's been shut down. Every fast ring is now this special branch that was RS pre-release, but they just released a build out of the manganese branch just to test things, they said. Um, and so this will be where all the developers dump their new stuff in, right? So fast ring builds are going to show you the latest and greatest from the development team as they're trying stuff out in Windows 10. Slow ring, been baking since December for the 20H1, this the May 2020 update. So it has had what now we're in May, almost six months of kind of just sitting in its stew and sitting there kind of working mm -hmm. cumulative updates. We actually started getting builds for this release that's about to come up last February. They started releasing builds for that last February. It's the longest we've ever had a cycle of release updates for a build. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping. 2004 turns out to be a really solid release. Yeah. Um, and um, so, so you got that coming build. I've been through the schedule builder. I looked over stuff. I saw nothing for windows 10 X. So they're mm. not going to talk about windows 10 X and everybody's aware, right? Right. A, a couple of three weeks ago, Panos Pane, the new chief of windows software and hardware came out and said, we're reattack. We're going to come at this again. We're it's not time for dual screens. So the Neo has basically been delayed until who knows when, uh, but they're going to focus Windows 10X on single screen devices. So it'll be interesting because Windows 10X is a, is a container based system. So it runs in and it, so I don't know if your everyday laptop can run Windows 10X if it doesn't have like 64 bit hardware and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see where they choose to go with that. I would expect an insider program for that, for people that's got the right hardware. Um, and so you got that. You've got, uh, they just released a new Surface hardware. But in build next week, the folk, man, the number of sessions in the session list about AI, about security, about Azure. Um, I think I saw quantum ones there. I saw they got a lot of community stuff. They're trying to make it community, give it a community feel, including one uh, welding with Thea. I saw <laughs> this woman's going to do two sessions, two hours long about welding in really? the middle of the night. Yeah. Just, and she's doing some kind of project for build, okay. but so she's going to talk about welding and, and planning, I think is what the focus okay. is. Okay. So they've got that kind of stuff. Power BI, Power Automate are big subjects this year at build. You know, Donna Sakar, who used to be the chief of the uh, Windows Insider program, she's now one of the uh, uh, advocates for Power BI, Power Platform. And it's this low code, no code kind of catchphrase where they say you don't have to be a coder to be able to build Power BI apps. Yeah. I'm actually going to put that to the test in a few weeks for a story, see if that's a reality or not. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of interesting going on. Satya Nadella's keynote's only like, or don't they call it a segment? It's not a keynote anymore. It's only 20 minutes long. So, and I've been through, and I, there's some sessions I have to be up in the evening to attend. Yeah, they're all day, watch. right? They're kind of doing a 24 7. Starting Tuesday morning all the way through Thursday morning. Yeah. And it just runs straight through. There's some repeats that will rerun and do that kind of thing for time zones. But they seem to, it seems like they really handed this to Scott Hanselman, who is one of their, I, I know he's not a corporate VP, but he's quite senior in the company. And 
I think this is the real test for Microsoft yeah. to see how this goes, how the con- engagement is and see because they already know they're going to do next year the same way. So this will tweak things for next year. I think the potential is there for build and other events like this, like Summit, to become virtual events, period. I mean, of course, a lot of that's going to hinge. You can't, you cannot get away from the fact that the in-person hallway kind of connections you make at events are on the expo floor are a big part of these things. Yeah, but here's here's what I hope for. Like, in, it doesn't have to be either or. It can be both and. Right, right, right. And, right. I, and, and everybody's been hesitant in this space. Because the in-person is so lucrative or it appeared to be lucrative, right? And that's what appeared to be what everybody wanted. All these conferences, you know, and, and it was a it was an arms race, you know, between Google and Amazon and Apple yep. and Microsoft. Who can do the bigger, better, but give away the better stuff, right? And and I think um, you know, you got a swag bag, right? They sent you oh, for I yeah. to show that. I mean yeah, they sent. Uh, they Don't said it was for the first thousand or a few thousand registrants. Um, they haven't released any public numbers about how many people registered, but they they sent this really cool uh, kit. And so everybody knows swag is the big draw at these events. You know, the expo show floor, people walk around with bags just to collect the swag. And so, but you get a badge, and there's a lanyard in here, a build lanyard to go in my collection of lanyards. Yeah. Um, which is great that they understood yeah. that there's an old legacy there with that. Yeah. Right? Um, socks. Socks are really popular swag item lately. I don't know why. Microsoft loves developers. Weird socks are popular. Yeah. Um, they sent a couple of um, a couple of they sent a couple of um, sets of stickers, kind of glossy, sticky stickers. Yeah. And then they sent a bento box. So this bento box, it comes with a, uh, there is a, a fork, knife, and spoon in here. It's made out of a composite material that is based on bamboo. Yeah, super green. Uh, yeah, and then yeah. inside there's a little divider. And it, it's, it, to me, what I understand a bento box to be is something I ordered at a restaurant to eat. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's intended like a little lunchbox to carry food in and, and get you going. So it was pretty cool that they thought of that, right? Yeah, I but people so are, you can do a you could do a virtual conference and still provide yeah. swag, right? That yeah. they just did this. And then I, I think there's just a lot of folks for whatever reason who can't make these things. No, and absolutely. I think, I think they're gonna see, yeah, you can we, we could do ten thousand people in person. Those will fill up, but then make the rest of it available virtual. Like I, I just don't I don't get that. We 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 have a summit Gallup where, where I work has a summit every year. We've been in person for the last five. We're forced, of course, to go virtual this year. And I'm really hoping it, it kind of helps us to see we could do, because they always feel like if you provide a virtual option, it's going to rob from the in-person. Right. And I, I don't right. think that's true. I mean, I think I think people will We're come. always going to have people that can't come, right? Yeah, right. Microsoft every year build sessions go online for free right. after people have attended and paid money, hotel, flight, and fee to get in, which is about $2,400 for a three or four day conference ignites the same way. Vast majority of that content goes online after, and it's not restricted, right? Anybody right. can view the content afterwards. Right. So the idea of, of, of being able to have the digital alongside the in-person I, I'm with you. I don't think it will still from the one or the other, that there are going to be people after all this anyway, this whole, all this COVID stuff that aren't going to go back to travel in the way they used to travel and, you know, that kind of thing. So by accommodating people with that, I think 
Now, then you get to question, how do you pay for that? Because the bandwidth still costs money. It's still, you know, so that that work and effort still costs some type of, there's a dollar figure, even though it doesn't feel like it, there's a dollar figure to that, providing that digital content. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't have to be free. Like the, No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, the, the you know, hardest part I think of is, you know, sponsorship for these. They have to rethink these events management teams are having to rethink, okay, how do we bring in money? Because every banner you see, every elevator that's sponsored by, you know, this, today yeah, the elevator sponsored by whatever, yeah. all that in-person stuff. I mean, that is the revenue that allows, maybe not some of these Microsoft or Apple conferences, but some of the bigger expos, things like oh, that, all of that is ad revenue. And yeah. so you got to really rethink if we do this digitally, or even if we move 50% digitally, um, our advertisers going to be willing to spend that money for you know, less eyeballs in person seeing those those banners, whatever they are. Well, and I think they have an even greater opportunity to advertise online. Like if they would just learn from podcasters and mix that stuff in to <laughs> the true. to the things they're doing. But do they want that? Like the, the best part now is a lot of times those advertisers, they don't have to, it doesn't have to mess with the flow of the show. It doesn't yeah. have to be too, yeah. hey, yeah. And, and this segment is brought to you by this. It can be yeah. more subtle. You have to do it that way. Oh, very much I could so put advertising around this thing. Right? You've been at these big conferences. Yeah. You wear a badge. When you go up to a booth in the badge, what do they do? Scan it. On the Xbox. They scan it because they're getting your contact info. You're called a lead. So even people registered online are leads. Right. That's right? true. So that yeah. Those sponsors can still get all those names and email addresses. And it, unfortunately, it's kind of like scammers and fishers. They're going to send out a blast thousand emails. And if they get a, if they get 50 back, they're get, that's a plus for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so you still have that element of things. It's you, because Informa, my parent company, is an events company. And so this is totally thrown us for a loop. Right. Our editorial stuff is still getting a big push and we're doing more webinars and things like that digitally. And we're doing some of our events kind of digitally as well. Um, but and to show proof of concept kind of thing. And I we're, we're not going to go back to just depending upon in-person shows when this is over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're going to be doing the digital piece because it's kind of accelerated that move for us as a company to to provide those digital platforms for the people that can't travel, that don't have a budget for it or whatever that might be. Yeah. Right now we're offering them all for free, but again, even a free webinar that we do results in a registration and a username and a password and a yeah. name. So you get a lead yeah. for the sponsor. But I think Rich, that's another area that we need to think differently about the value, you know, we, because it's online and virtual somehow the value is less. It's the same. We're doing oh, this where we, we have speakers. That's the same speakers, guys. It's the same yep. people <laughs> yep. delivering the same information. Why was it valuable in person and not valuable online? In fact, online should be more valuable because I didn't have to travel. I didn't have to go anywhere. I get it instantly. I can watch it whenever I want. It's more convenient. Like you're paying oh, for convenience, but yeah. somehow we've gotten this idea. Like if it's online, it has to be free. It and should be free. Exactly. Uh, well, it's kind of like the app economy. Everybody thinks apps should cost nothing yeah. because there's no work in developing them. I perpetuate mm-hmm. that myth because I have a free podcast, right? It, it's kind of the way it goes, but, but um, it, it can be in those things where the value is provided. It can be. So, I'm kind of hoping when we're done with this, you know, two, three, four years from now, that every conference has a way of going, hey, show up in person here and you can do it. And you get the virtual ticket. You can still get all the, sh- you get all the stuff the virtual people do, but you're going to get some more because you're here. And then yeah. you have a virtual ticket and that's still, you're still going to pay for it and it's still going to be valuable and you're still going to get access to information plus all the stuff 
all the back, you know, all the all the other uh, keynotes and all the session breakouts and or whatever, right? So I, I think that's the model we need to go to for sure. I, I think it's kind of the future. It yeah, really is. So. This has just accelerated it. Yeah. So. Rich, you um, you started a new podcast called Faith, Tech, and Space. I did, uh, yeah. You, when you stopped. After I was on your show last, I started that up just a couple of weeks later. You did. So we, we haven't heard from you since then. How's that going? And most, the, the question I really want to ask is, what, what have you learned from it? Because, you know, you, you dropped one, a pretty successful yeah. podcast, and you picked up another little different topic, kind of the same, but top, what have you learned? So tell us how it's going and then tell us what you learned. Um, the, I, I just recorded my and released my ninth episode this past weekend. Um, and it's having started since November. So it's a slow go. And, and the reason why I opted to close down observe tech was because of my entry into formation, uh, for the permanent diaconate in the Catholic church. And I, I knew I was going to have class schedules and all this other stuff. So I did not want to, I needed to prioritize and, that podcast had been around for 10 years, right? So when I started that podcast back in, I guess that would have been around 2008, 2009, I think. The world was very different in those days, right? We didn't have all the social media we have now. Um, you didn't have all these podcast directories and, and resources like that. It took me a couple, three years to get my podcast out into different places to be accessed, right? Within two or three weeks of setting up this podcast and recording my first episode, I I had in fact, if you uh, uh, on my uh, on my faith technics, I I now got I'm in within a couple of weeks I was in iTunes, Google Play Music, Blueberry, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Deezer, uh, and then of course I had an RSS and an email feed. So and that was within just a couple of weeks. I already had that distribution running. And I've since added a few others. I'm now the last two episodes I've live streamed on YouTube as I recorded that episode just to try something a little bit yeah. different. Yeah. Uh, I'm using uh, the OBS software. Um, are you familiar with yep. that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Mike used it back in the day. Oh, okay. And it's it's kind of cool. It really is because it lets you set up different screens and shots and scenes and things like that. So I've been having some fun with that. Um, so just to do something a little bit different, right? Um, but so far, so good. Um, it, it, what it does, the show does, is I'm still talking about tech and space, which are two of my very passionate subjects, and there's plenty to talk about in those two areas. Um, but the the piece I added was the faith part, right? Because I I I've entered formation. I this year I'm an aspirant for a holy orders, and this September um, I will be I will uh, be presented for, as a candidate for holy orders, and so it. It just allows me to share my formation experience. What classes am I taking? What are we studying? A little bit about the seasons of the church and the Catholic church and stuff like that. So just just, just a nice touch of that. Then talk tech, which I just talk way too much tech. You know, in the in observe tech was always about like this bulleted list of right link after link after link after link. And I'm going to adjust that a little bit, I think, because it gets so just like when I started observe tech, right? If I went for a couple, three weeks without doing a show, it was so hard to get back going again. Mm -hmm. And back in those days, I didn't have the permanent setup. I had to drag my audio gear out, plug it up, set it up to record a show. So that was even another level. So one of the best things I ever did was a dedicated podcasting 
machine and station with the t- with my sound box and board and my mic and everything automatic, right? Because then I just had to p- turn on the power. Mm-hmm. So if you're ever thinking about podcasting, have a permanent setup. It, it's the best way to go because it, it you eliminate that obstacle that and it's mental as much as anything, right? Mm-hmm. It, oh, I got to pull that out and I got to set it up and I got to deal, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, it, so it works to have that station set up permanently. Rich, what have you learned? What, do you, what have you learned in, in switching over? I mean, I really, I like, I liked your old podcast. Like that was oh, yeah. to me because I, I could too. get, I put you on two and a half speed. Not nah, really. Like 1.5 speed, which you were fast already. I'm already and a fast talker. I used to stress me out on the way to work because I just try to listen to everything you were saying, you know, try to absorb it as fast as I could. And I'd be super stressed by the time I got to work. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm listening to him. He's already a fast talker and I'm listening yeah. to him at, at 1.5. But it, it got me up to speed super fast, you know, and so I appreciated that work. And, and I know why yeah. you changed it. What have you learned? You learned anything in the six months you've been you, you made the switch over anything, anything unique or different? Nothing in particular. Like yeah. I said, uh, it's a very similar format yeah. to what I was doing before, especially in the tech segment of that show. Um, I, I think I've broadened my space aspect of things. Of course, the faith piece is brand new. So there's more there than, than what, cause it didn't exist in observe tech, but the tech side, I'm still talking windows insider stuff. Yeah. I edge insider, you know, I, since we last talked, edge is now, you know, fully out and stable channel and, and progressing pretty well with features. Um, and that's something you might hear more about next week is edge, you know, it's, they're having I've, I'm I'm scheduled for a couple sessions that the Edge team is doing to talk about Edge specifically. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping maybe we might get some alerts about new features coming. But well, will anyone ever trust a browser from Microsoft again? Re- I, a browser by another name, a browser by another company. I mean, I just I can't see anybody. Listen, I'm I hope the best for it. I mean, it's it's great. It strips out all the Google tracking to add their own tracking. It. It's, I mean, it's, it's a really good, I mean, it, it could have a lot of potential. I see zero traction in the space. Like, I just don't see it really. I don't see anybody talking about it, you know, mainstream, yeah. anyways. Mainstream. Yeah. I, yeah. And I agree. I think the one thing it's got going for it is the Chromium base. Yeah. So oh, no, for sure. is there for, for sure. you know, where people used to go grab Chrome. Now, the one thing is. Edge in Windows 10 still defaults to Legacy Edge, what they call mm-hmm. Legacy Edge. That was the version of Edge that was released a couple, three months after uh, Windows 10 was released, right? Because Edge wasn't ready when Windows 10 came out in July 2015. I think it was the the following fall, that fall or maybe spring that it was finally re- uh, the new Edge or at the time the new Edge. So th- the compatibility issue compatibility issues existed for that version of edge because it was very uh, proprietary. Right. So kind of like IE Um, and, and in, in the wild, wild west of web standards, everybody built their websites to cater to certain browsers Uh, edge. uh, I guess you might say Safari back in that day, although you can't get Safari for PC anymore. Um, So people built sites in order to maximize Chrome and, and those browsers, and that would break in Edge or IE, you know, because it would be incompatible. I think now that it's Chromium-based, standards are getting a little bit better. Um, I can use, I use Edge as my default daily now. I don't even have Firefox or Chrome installed on my machine. It's only Edge. 
uh, they've been through some challenges. It's been teething pains. Don't get me wrong. There's been challenges with syncing favorites. They, you still can't sync history between devices. Mm -hmm. And I, what's the other setting that's not yet turned on? Um, uh, uh, history and they, I don't think it goes to timeline, right? For Windows timeline, I don't think your browsing history goes to timeline. Uh, let's see, profile sync, open tabs, open tabs in history. So those are the last two kind of vestiges of kind of normal expected browser features that aren't there yet. Yeah. I just, so. I want, I want to like it. Like I, I want to, and I do, but I just can't like, I, I just, it, it's one of those things where you're like, I just don't know if anyone's going to take it seriously or take it seriously enough to have market share. And, well, it, you know, it's so it may not ever. Yeah. I don't know, but, yeah. but they're certainly contributing to Chromium. Right. So they've made right. several changes there. They helped with mouse scrolling, smooth scrolling, which IE and edge was edge, especially old edge legacy edge was very good at. So they, you know, they have made some improvements to the Chromium base. Yeah. So, yeah, no, we'll it's, it's good. They're in the community and it's good for Chrome. I just don't know if Chrome is good for them. <laughs> you know, and, and if it's really, if it's, it's kind of actually going to, if that'll be something that'll ever, and maybe they don't care, you know, it ships with it. They're going to get some default users who yep. like my mom who just use it. It's, it's going to be their thing, right? I, They're going to get, man, I, I take care of a couple people's PCs. And when I put them on edge, I was able, I, they stopped installing all those crazy toolbars and where they would call me two months later and go, my computer's really slow. Yeah, uh, Joe's Joe saying the same right. thing. This is a good point because so on re, on release preview, I think they just started offering the edge update to some release preview devices. So I get a feeling that version 2004 that's about to get released, the May 2020 update, this may be the first version of Windows 10 where they start to push that update out and replace legacy edge, make the new edge the default. So yeah, they'll. I, I forget. There's a number floating around a few weeks ago. Was it two or three percent? Somebody was reporting. I don't know what net market share That's shows these right. days, but so there is a little bit. But you can probably account for that, like you said. You can probably account for that for people that are. It's not a default yet, but people can get it on their systems. This Certainly, conversation is uh, so interesting because the last time we had you on, Rich, we were talking. You know, Jim was asking me, "Okay, do these updates and everything like that? Like, does it affect you, Mike?" And I said, "No," because I had my iMac as my main driver, and then I had my Mac laptop, and the only Windows machine I was running was for Sighthound uh, in my server rack, and. Now, look at today, Hannah has taken my Mac laptop as her, that's what she, her school stuff, she uses it for that. My iMac is in the server rack running Windows, running Blue Iris. <laughs> so the right. iMac's not even running. And then I built myself a new computer for myself that's obviously Windows. Um, so now I'm full Windows. I don't touch, besides my iPhone, I don't touch an Apple device all day uh, anymore, which is just so interesting because the reason Jim brought me on the show five years ago was because I was the, I was the Apple yeah. guy. Um, you know, so we, we're starting to, I'm remembering all these things. It's like, okay, now that I'm in this ecosystem every single day, uh, edge, I honestly, when I fired it up, I just, my default has always been get Chrome on there and go. I might actually yeah. give it a shot and see, because I'm not I, tied to, I don't jump between computers. So like the syncing for me for Chrome, isn't that important. Um, right. just looking for a really good browsing experience. So I might actually be a pretty good candidate for edge. Perfect candidate. Yeah. And here's the thing. This is one thing they have done because of the Chromium base. They've got their own set of extensions that are in their own kind of collection, but you can go to the Chrome web store and install extensions. So, you know, the whole thing that beat up Windows Phone. I'm sorry. I mentioned Windows Phone, Windows 10 Mobile. Um, 
is that app issue, right? Yeah. But here, the one thing this browser has that their previous version of Edge didn't, or IE, every browser in the Chrome, every extension in the Chrome Web Store can be installed. There's a button you got to toggle, but you right. can install extensions from the Chrome Web Store. And ever since they activated uh, Extension Sync, I've been over the moon because I am on multiple machines. And yeah. so now extensions can sync between devices. No, th um, and that's just, great with the extensions because, I mean, I only really use one. I use Bitwarden as my password manager. Um, you know, I, yeah. Dude, I discovered that a few months ago. Do that's you self-host it? It's fantastic. No, I don't self-host okay. it. But that it's a great open source password manager. It's fantastic. It's absolutely amazing. I have been, I was just looking for fun. Someone mentioned on this show, I can't remember who it was, that it was open source and you can self-host. I'm like, well, that sounds awesome. I'm a huge self-hosting guy. Oh yeah. And there's just, it's a, it's like if on Unraid, it's as easy as going to community applications. It's already a Docker. It's just pre-built and you're up and running in two minutes. Um, it was easy super easy almost too easy and uh but yeah i've been i've been loving it but so I, I run one extension i really should give edge a shot on this computer and, uh, and sit with edge. Edge. um the uh now here's the other thing that you just made me think of another open source security piece of software is called authy okay i haven't heard of it two-factor authentication tool okay and you <laughs> run it on the desktop so I, I've got Authy on my desktop. So when I'm working on the desktop, I don't have to go to the phone to get a code. I can That's pull it up right great. on the computer. Now, because so I've actually still been using LastPass Authenticator for my authenticator, for my two-factor. So I still am in the LastPass world just for the authenticator piece. But I like that because LastPass backs up all your 2FA. Because my biggest awesome. thing has been, okay, perfect. Because my biggest thing is, okay, on the Google one, it doesn't like Google Authenticator scares me because that's not updated, syncing. They just updated last week that now you can restore. It will back up and save accounts and restore. Oh, uh, Microsoft Authenticator got that a couple months, three months ago. Authy does that on every device. You can choose to back up or not back up and to update. And so Authy does well. So when I go to a brand new machine, I install Authy. I give it my master username and password, and then it will validate me and and bring in my stuff. And it has a mobile Without app, I'm assuming, it. for your it phones when you are app. out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay, I'm, I'm all about the open source stuff, so I might have to check that one out. So, But you just have me, you know, so that is a great, and uh, I don't use, there is an Authy extension, I think, for Chrome. Uh, so it is available to do within the browser as well. But. Okay, great. Well, because there's been all these things. When I first built this machine, uh, we had did an episode and we were talking about, we had everyone in the community in chat and then afterwards, give me a rundown. I said, guys, this is the first time I've ever been full Windows. What are you using? You know, what are the tools, the tricks and stuff like that? Because um, even for me going for like, if I need to do basic audio editing, GarageBand, which is free on Mac, right? Basic video editing, iMovie. Also, I'm like, ooh, like what do I use for, for that kind of stuff here? So uh, the community has been a, a great source. But if you had to pick like your top, uh, maybe off the beaten path Windows tool that you use on a regular basis that maybe the new user won't know about, what would you suggest? Uh, probably uh probably see i have to already gave um, you actually Authy. uh that's a good well, one Authy is one and bitwarden for the the password stuff um no i would you know i read a lot of rss feeds yeah and i use a, a windows 10 app called next gen reader okay one of the first ones to partner with feedly when google reader disappeared right and went off the map uh, and Feedly kind of came in and picked up the the scraps from Google Reader and and but NG, so Next Gen Reader 
allows me to see my RSS feeds from Feedly and pull them in and use them within the app, share them directly to Buffer, share them to Twitter, share them to my Facebook page, wherever I want to share stuff to. Okay. So if you do a lot of RSS feeds, I like it. It presents in a grid format. There's an option for a grid format. And so I've got my one button shortcut is the OneNote. So when I'm looking for stuff for my podcast, I'm a one button push and it's dropped into my OneNote folder so I can add it to my show notes. So one notes, the other one that I have just like recently oh, went full oh, into. Man. I feel like I'm the kid who's always like late to the party, especially in this community. Like I'll start talking about something. Everyone's like, yeah, welcome to the party, Mike. Like you're a little late on uh, windows number one and uh one note and all these sort of tools. But uh, I've used one note at work. I really, I switched roles a few months ago and I said, you know what? I'm getting rid of paper. Cause I, whenever I just search through something, I just do in one note. And then last week, it was actually when Dave McCabe was on, he was talking about how he tracks his lawn care notes. He keeps track of every time he does like, you know, think of oil changes, blade sharpening. When did I do this sort of uh, um, seed or chemical on my grass? And so I'm like, you know, like I've never fired up my personal account on OneNote. And it's been amazing. It's been, uh, it's synced everywhere on all my devices. And I love how in the mobile app, I can still have my work account and my personal account all in that yeah. same one app. So I've been... Yeah. Uh, diving deep into the the windows ecosystem and i, I have to say uh, i've been like really enjoying it's it too bad. it's it's gotten quite robust and if you use sticky <laughs> jim's notes just shaking 10, his head <laughs> if you use sticky notes on windows 10 your sticky notes are in the OneNote app on the phone i have never even fired up stickies yeah. now you got me another thing i got because uh, another app um and, and I, need to, I need to get another beer <laughs> <laughs> he's he's slumming um, yeah. I just looked at net market share because I had to. So they're showing Chrome at 69%. Uh, sh- now, again, net market share, any of these things is a slice of the pie, right? It, it's not an internet wide authority. But for their traffic, 69% is Chrome. Edge is 7.76% above Firefox. So that's yeah. for hey, April. So is it certainly gaining some share. So when I think of like, you know, when we think about Chrome, we think of like obviously a resource hog. And that got me thinking along the lines of, is it my imagination or did Windows back in the day used to have a lot of bloatware? I feel like your CPU is always at a pretty much a certain percent running. The thing I've noticed, and maybe it's just because I built a brand new system, but I mean, I have a lot of, I've installed a lot of games on here. It's not a bare bone system by any means. I mean, my CPU sits at 1% all the time. And even like right now I'm doing this podcast, it's at 8%. And in the background, it's downloading a 90 gigabyte game. You know, like I feel like it's really efficient now when back in the day you used to compare Mac versus Windows and it was like, wow, man, Windows is just clunky. It's got a lot of overhead to it. Um, And and now I feel like that's just been pretty much eliminated. Yeah, I I think they've done a lot of work to make it more efficient with the memory, with disk access and everything like that. I mean, I'm on a Core i5 right now. Um and so I'm running, my CPU is running at 30, 32%. But okay. this is not a powerhouse machine. This is a four-year-old enterprise level desktop. Right. Machine. Okay. Uh, the only reason I have this on my desk is because it's got the 34-inch curved monitor. I love this widescreen monitor. I used to be a dual guy. Now I've gone single because of that. And so it's got an extra port on it. So I actually run my main desktop through this screen. But I also use the i5 itself on this device to do my podcasting. Interesting. Yeah, I want to do actually dual widescreens, one up and one down, because I'm a quad guy right now. I have four. I have right, middle, left, and then I have one up above. I would love mm-hmm. to do just two widescreens instead of uh, these four monitors, but it does allow me some flexibility. Like my one on my right here is vertical. You know, I, I kind of have my workflow pretty much set up for four monitors. 
Yep. My son that just works. bought a 44 inch curved monitor, 1500 bucks. Crazy. Asus. Oh. This is a kind you order. Like you, they don't make it till you order it. So he ordered it, paid for it, took four wow. weeks, shipped in 1500 bucks. Beautiful. He's like yeah, amazing. There's there. You doing a lot of mousing on the, those screens. Yeah. Well, he's, it's, he's a gamer. And so he's kind of using it for that and cause he can. <laughs> and then he's got, um, so he was telling me, so he's got a quad, he has a quad setup of Dell 24s that are, they're IPS monitors from five or six years ago. And he's like, those were really great when I bought them. But dad, after looking at the, after looking at this monitor, cause it's got, it's got like zero response. It's G-Sync. It's like mm-hmm. all these things. Right. Uh, he's like, I can't, I have a hard time looking at those old monitors now. Cause they don't look so, as I good. Tell you, so I'm a Navy guy, right? I did 30 years in the Navy. I sailed on yeah. small ships and sm- sailed on aircraft carriers. I, I set sea of thieves, sea of thieves up on this 34 inch monitor. Mm-hmm. I got seasick mm. because that really because of the motion in the screen. It, it, so the, the screen fills more of my periphery. Yeah. And so those movements on the ship was like, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I had the same sensations when I was on a small boy in, in rough ocean, rough sea. Well, that's kind of the, I had, so I just got a brand new, so I had four and I now have a new main monitor. It's an Acer, I think 27 inches, I believe, but it's got the high refresh rate, right? I was only, I've only ever had 60 Hertz monitors and now I have 144 Hertz, which still isn't top of the line. Um, but I play at that and man, it's so smooth and the G-Sync makes a huge difference. So this is a G-Sync monitor, which actually now supports NVIDIA GPUs. So I still I don't you don't need a G sync sorry it's not G sync it's um open open sync no uh, uh free sync free, there you go yeah right it's a free sync monitor um, but I'm using it with an Intel uh not sorry Intel if I can think of this Nvidia GPU so those actually work now you can use those in conjunction and man playing at 144 hertz when you're used to less than half of that the smoothness of it is kind of a weird sensation to get used to. I felt like, especially on certain games, probably like Sea of Thieves, um, racing games, things where you have just kind of that fluid motion. I was yeah. shocked. I had that like, man, have I been living in the Stone Ages like for the past few years? Because I just had never played on something that could do that refresh rate. It's been a great little upgrade. It's, it's a whole new world. It, it is a whole new world. Yeah. Te- how technology has advanced, you know, yeah. and I think back to those. I, I came across some old photos the other day of my computer setup when I was stationed in Italy. And this would have been... Uh, let's see, the late 80s, early 90s. And the, I had that big CRT tube white monitor on the desk that took up like the whole desk. I mean, just crazy how far we've come. With I still whole- have a 24-inch CRT in my garage. I just can't I can't bring myself to get rid of it because it was super expensive in its day. And I, <laughs> I, I took that thing from place to place and then of course, it sits out in the garage. Now I've missed the opportunity to recycle it. It's going to cost me like a hundred dollars to recycle that thing at this point. But it's it, and then it, it's also a nostalgia item. Like mm-hmm. there's not too many of those monitors left, right? And so, you know, I could always plug that in. It's VGA, but I could plug that thing in, and uh, and it still fires up. Still got a fairly decent look to it. But yeah, it's you know I'm one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight monitors now on my desk uh, here. 
that in, in, you know, it, I have a monitor problem and the one they're cheap, right? They're super cheap. Yeah, very inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And, and you can just, you can just put them anywhere. And so, you know, it, it's, it's crazy how, how good they are. So uh, Rich, you changed some things around there, right? Then. So you brought your 34 kind of, you're using that kind of full-time now, or is that just for podcasting? No, no, no. I, I, so the, so the, the HP device, it's called the Elite 1000. This came out about four years ago. Um, so it has the 34 inch monitor on top of, a, a, a basically it's a laptop computer in there because the laptop, it uses so dim memory chips. So I bumped it up to 32 or 16 gig of memory, I think. Uh, it's got a good size drive and all that stuff. And it's a decent performing system. I mean, I was this old system I was running on over here for my podcasting was an AMD quad core, uh, eight gig of RAM. So it was an, and it's an older because systems have a rotation when I build a new one, right? They rotate through this room uh, over. The wife has the third best. The worst is at the podcaster. The best is at my workstation. So this, I wasn't using the Elite 1000 computer for anything except for running Insider builds. So I was just installing Insider builds once a week on it. That was about it. And I was like, you know, I'd really like to shuffle this around. So I I moved, relocated all the podcaster gear over here. I spun up the i5 uh, and it's it's a quad core, I think. So it's a good performing machine. And um and I use the 34 inch curve for my main monitor from my, my main desktop. So that's the one I work on all the time. And then I got the work laptop over here, finally on windows 10 as of last fall, it took them long enough, but I had a windows seven machine until last December, I think. It's just surprising to me. I think the components are last too. Oh, you know, I have a seven, 4770, I think. Uh, here, um, that number could be wrong. I, I can't remember, but it's a, it's a fairly, I mean, five or six years now. I, I, I don't, I'm, it's got 16 gig of RAM in it. It works for podcasting. I have no reason to yeah. do, it keeps windows 10 keeps getting better on it. keeps getting more efficient and kind of runs better. Right. I have no reason to change out. I mean, I really have got to wait for it to go bad for, for what I do. Now, if I was a gamer, Mike, you know, you needed to upgrade some equipment and you did, right. Well, I, I did, but I, I have the same thing as you. So I was running a 3770 in that rig. And I will tell you, so I just bumped up to a Ryzen 5 3600. Um, fantastic processor. The only time I notice a difference is when I'm gaming. Um, now, mind you, I'm not editing any video. and I would notice it in other areas. I know I would. But as far as like the basic tasks of browsing, listening to music, podcasting, watching YouTube videos, you, I could never tell you if I was on a different processor until I fire up the game. And the game's obviously a much different experience. But you're right, Jim. For most people um i mean that's a third gen intel chip and it was great it worked just fine again yeah 16 gigs of ram if you have an ssd in there you're just fine that's the other hard part is that the hardware is just lasting forever that's why i hope this is a five ten year build here that i have having put all the new stuff in there i probably won't need it going forward 500 gig ssd it's a core i7 4770 i can't believe i got the number right uh, like I said, 16 gig of RAM. I've had it for, I don't know, five, six years, whatever I think. And it, it works great. Sitting next to it is a Dell Core i7 from, a, it's, a, it's a year younger, maybe two years younger that I do, do some mining stuff on. I'm not, I'm anticipating that thing running forever. I mean, until it breaks, right? Until yeah. something goes wrong, you know, whatever, you got to swap it out. I got a Core i3 540 that, uh, that had been my main driver before I went on the Core i7. That's got to be 540, I think it's got to be first or second gen Core i3, right? 
still does what I needed to do, right? I mean, so it's it's crazy. I think the laptops are a little bit different because they you just beat them up a little bit more, right? You take them, you take them places. You have batteries to deal with, all those kinds of things. But man, hardware, it's rich. It's kind of disheartening sometimes because you want to you want to swap it out faster, right? You're kind of like, and some do, right? But when it works, it's it's hard, especially in a time like this. Well, this is it. And I, I think my current main desktop is about three years old. Uh, I'm running a six core. Uh, what is it? An AMD uh, FX6350, I think, in there. Uh, it's got 32 gig of RAM. It's running a one terabyte SSD. and But it does well. And I got an NVIDIA 1050 in there or something like that, or 1051. So it, it does what I needed to do. I don't do a tremendous amount of PC gaming. I am running a couple of things on PC right now because I'm te- I'm uh, alpha tester for a, a certain uh, piece of software that Microsoft's working on. That oh, what 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 oh, you say, Rich? <laughs> Keep going. It's what Keep he didn't going. say. Uh, what I didn't say. Um, you guys not listen to the video. You missed it. He showed it to all of us. You guys just didn't hear it on the audio. <laughs> and uh, and so it runs really well for that. Yeah. You know, I've got my Xbox out. I, I'll be honest with you. My Xbox doesn't get powered up much these days with classes and studying and other things like that. It's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. Um, although I, I got it. The, the, we were talking about getting seasick watching, doing CFEs on this monitor. Fortnite. I got into Fortnite for a while, about a year and a half ago. And Fortnite at certain resolution or no, maybe it was PUBG. It had mm. a different motion compared to Fortnite. And it would make, I would get that kind of nauseous feeling like I would at C. Uh, oh, I get the same thing with VR. I can't do the VR headsets because mm. I get the same kind of sensation. You must have, your ears must have be very good. I think they are. I mean, I've never had a balance issue or anything yeah. like that in my yeah. life. And But even, uh, so I tried all the tricks like chewing gum when you're wearing the VR headset. That's supposedly one of the things to help you not get nauseous. It didn't work. didn't matter. So, <laughs> Well, no worries. No worries. They'll they'll come up with a they'll come up with a VR thing that works for you. I have not yet even put my head in one of those headsets. I just have not had the interest. No, I just yeah, haven't I had, had the interest in one it. One of the first ones that came out for Windows 10. I had the Acer headset, and they sent me yeah. the they sent me the little controllers as well at one point because I bought the Acer headset. But yeah. it's cool. Don't get me wrong. And if you really want to learn about VR and and that kind of stuff for Windows. Ian Dixon, who is a Windows Insider MVP, uh, Ian, he does, he, he reviews every new Insider build uh, through his virtual reality. I mean, he, I think he participated in Summit through his VR goggles uh, and, you know, and watched the sessions in his VR theater. So if you ever want to follow somebody that's an enthusiast around Windows and Microsoft stuff for VR, Ian Dixon on Twitter, he's from the UK. Uh, just constantly talking and posting about that stuff. He commits. He yeah, he's big time. Big when time. He's, when he's going to do something, uh, he commits. Rich, last question for you as we kind of yep. bring the show in for a landing. As you as we've gone through these last, we'll say nine weeks of of uh, of this pandemic and lockdown and all those other things. Any new tech that you're leaning on now that you maybe weren't using? We talked about the communication stuff at the front of the show. But has it changed any patterns for you, the way you use stuff? I mean, certainly now that I'm home, I get while you're thinking about that, like now that I'm home, Sighthound for me has become super important because it's my window. It's the Sighthound is a video. It's up for security, for the security cams. 
and we have a, I have a front door cam. So I have not, not the ring. I have a ring doorbell as well, but I've got a cam that we call the porch cam or the package cam. And it views the, where the packages get laid, right? That's all its job. But in this pandemic, it has been, it sits right here. It's my view to the outside world. I'm down in the basement, right? In my, in my office down here, I don't really have an outside view. So this camera, which I set up for security now is actually like, what's it look like outside? Is the sun shining? My office at Gallup, you know, we're windows everywhere. And so I'm kind of used to not windows software, but windows, actual windows, the glass things, right. That let the light in. So um, I'm kind of used to being able to see outside. I'm a weather, I'm a weather nerd. So I love the weather. I love to know what's going on. So for me, the sight hound, and then I started using my radar, which is a really, that's a really good, I use that. I, I, on Windows, I paid for it to get rid of the ads. It was like two ninety nine, you know, which is super cheap. And Windows, um, yeah, actually, it's running right over here. So this is my radar right here, running. Like out of the Windows Store. Yeah, yeah. No, nope. yeah, you can buy it in the Windows Store. It's they have the ad version two ninety nine, and then um, you can get the ad taken off. For oh my! Oh, I already own it. There you go. There you go. So it's a pretty great. I I have it running full time right here, and so you know during the day, I'm, I'll come by and look. It's got the forecast and what it's doing, and a sweet radar with wind. And you know, for the weather nerd, it's the it's the perfect. So, Mike, I'm going to ask you this question too. But so, Rich, have you changed anything? Anything new that anything you're doing differently because you're home all the time? From, from Well, I was always home anyway, right? I was working from home anyhow. The big change for me is the no travel. So, you know, I should have been heading to Seattle this weekend. Uh, last week, I should have been in Orlando for a conference. So so that's the bigger change. Now, we're, we're a two-story house. We got the mother-in-law suite above the garage kind of thing, and then it's all one-floor house. Um, and so I, I'm up and out of my seat throughout the day, and I see the outdoors and things like that. The big change for me in my schedule and my routine because of the pandemic is actually six days a week, I head out to my church mm-hmm. and we're using Facebook live to live stream the mass to the folks that are stuck at home and can't get out. So in fact, today was our 48th live stream mass. Uh, when we were at our 32nd, a couple weeks ago, we'd had nearly 40,000 views. Wow or stream masses. Nice. I haven't done up the numbers for noon. Now this weekend, we're starting to open up a little bit, very limited, but so when we're going to continue to live stream. So I've been out every morning, six days a week for a drive, right? It's only about a 15, 20 minute drive to my church, but it's, so it's a drive out into the, the weather, um, live stream the mass, and then I head home. And, and so there's been, and in fact, it's convinced my pastor, we're, we're actually investing the money in a really good uh, mountable camera that you'll run, will run through the OBS software to continue to live stream our masses, even when the pandemic's yeah. over. Yeah. So I, I've been learning a lot about OBS. This, that is the coolest program. So they're, you know, doing that, that's a fun program to play with all the, yeah. the it's kind of like having your own TV studio. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been a change now. I'm learning how to connect OBS to, or actually you have to use Streamlabs on Streamlabs on an Android. You can't use the OBS open open source software because it's not available on Android. But Streamlabs uses that as their. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning how to connect that to Facebook. Try to automate this a little bit more because at some point I'm going to have to start traveling again. So we have to have the tools in place to be able to automatically start live streaming our our session our church. Uh, 
masses. So there's been that it's been interesting delving into this live streaming thing because it's nothing I've ever done much of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, so because people are hungry for that connection, right? Uh, yeah. me and my, it's me and my wife here at the house. Uh, we had, I think on Easter, my daughter and her family visited and we set the card table up on the front porch and they ate out there. We ate at the kitchen table, had an open window. I mean, my wife threw a sheet over her to give her a hug for the first time in five weeks, right? <laughs> yeah. Saw it online that that was the way you gave somebody a hug in this right. time of right. contact. So it, it's been a whole new um, approach to kind of how you use technology. And and I talked about this on one of my podcasts a few episodes ago. Imagine going through this pandemic 15 years ago in yeah. 2005, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Before social media, before the streaming services, you know, we were still going to Blockbuster and written physical tapes uh, to bring home a VHS tape and throw it in a machine to watch a movie, right? How different this experience would have been, not only for work, but just for personal yeah. stuff, right? And yeah. doing what we do. People have been a lot, watching a lot more broadcast TV than they would, than they do these days. So it's, it's interesting, you know, the gamers have been doing this OBS streaming everything for yeah. the longest time. And, and, and it was the churches that brought it to the mainstream for yeah. everybody, right? Like, Oh, you can, you can do all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, your church, our church as well, we've done some drive-in services. So we, we, we get a big parking lot and they set up a truck with a lift on it and the pastor's up there and, and everybody can just pull in like a drive-in theater. They have big screens and stuff. And I was like, Wow. Like we, if we would have done this before the pandemic, nobody would have come, you know, right. and, but, but, you know, necessity is a mother of inventions, Mike, anything. So we think about the last nine weeks, any technology you've particularly leaned on for me, it's been uh, not necessarily leaned on, but having all of a sudden the time to use. So I sit here at the dis desk and if I turn to the left is my work laptop. And so I sit at my work laptop all the time, which means I have the ability now to monitor things. And I love monitoring things. So I monitor my Unraid server, Plex, all that stuff. So I've actually been diving deep into using Grafana and building out really custom Grafana dashboards uh, to monitor everything. So getting all of that up and running, be able to sit here and almost have like this you know, network control center type thing where all my monitors are showing me something about my network, um, you know, setting up, obviously I'm sitting here all the time now. So it was really important for me to get my security camera monitor up there. So putting a monitor up there with a, uh, that Jim, actually, this is using the kangaroo. Uh, the oh, kangaroo cool. is, is running <laughs> Linux and that is just a Chromium browser and plugged into blue iris. So that's how I monitor all my security. So it's just like sitting down here. Yeah. I'm usually at work and I have no need to, but then it turned into, okay, now I need to build a different profile for Blue Iris because I'm here. I don't need notifications, um, if all the notifications. So I built a home profile and a way profile. And so it's it's been fun for me. There's not really probably no new tech. It's just yeah. finding different ways to have fun while I'm sitting here and what, might as well monitor it if I can. I, you know, yeah. we're huge stat nerds. You and I, when we were mining back in the day, that was the fun part about it was you know, watching all the stats on the miners and, and how are they doing and everything like that. And you probably still have a monitor dedicated to viewing uh, some of those miners. Yeah, you do. Yeah, exactly. Do. Um, yeah. So it, for us nerds like that, it's a lot of fun to be able to see that type of data. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it is interesting. You just mentioned and Rich, you're, you're already working from home, but for, for the two of us, our security profiles changed because we went from worried about nobody was here to somebody's here all the time now. And so that kind of changed the way I use my cameras. 
and started thinking like, okay, I don't know if I need as many, if I need as many pictures, you know, as I was getting before, do I, do I really need all that? I mean, I'm kind of here. And yet the other day a neighbor came by to drop off some, um, he made some sourdough for us and brought it over fresh, hot, still warm, right? When he brought it over, it was great. And and I didn't, I saw him at the door, like I was down here. I'm like, oh, my neighbor's here. <laughs> so, you know, pop out to get it. And um, and so there are those moments to, I think, in our neighborhoods where we may we may be seeing more of our neighbors because they're yeah. actually home, right? Oh, you know, or whatever. And so um, I've really been trying to focus on what are the good things in this. Yeah, no, that's what time. you got to do. You know, what are, what are the yep. good things? How do we focus what on that? And what, how do we take our tech? in that, in that arena too. And, you know, right. how do we, what kind of things can we do? What's different? What's new? My son, my, my Marine son, who's coming home, will be home this summer and then gets out of the Marines this fall. will be living with us for a while. He decided to build his own. Uh, and Mike, actually next week, I'm going to raid his parts box. So you and I are going to get, or we're going to, cause he, he had them all shipped here and then he had his brother take him out of the box and they put him in, in kind of his, you know, storage box. So, Next week on the show, we're going to break into that box. Now, <laughs> I'm not going to unbox anything. Like that, Love I'm it. going to be that kind of dad. But uh, we're going to preview. He doesn't know we're going to do this, so don't tell him. We're going to preview his build and critique uh, his build uh, uh, before he does. So if you're uh, if you're around next week and you want to come see Mike and I break into my uh, to my son's build, he won't get home. He has incredible discipline. This is a kid who's shipping parts home two months ahead of time. So they'll oh, wow. be there for him. I would have, I, I would not have that kind of discipline. I would, I just, I need it. Like I buy it. I want it. I need it. Exactly. Right. You know, so this kid's got some serious discipline. So he'd be putting that uh, <laughs> together when he gets home. Rich, great to see you. Glad oh, it's great to be are, on. Thanks. Glad you are healthy and well and staying well and doing, sounds like you're doing all the necessary things to, uh, to do that as well. Appreciate you and your work in the community and hope uh, folks get over there. If um, I, I threw a link in the show notes, I'm going to throw a link in the show notes for uh, for Rich's new podcast as well, Faith, Tech, and Space. I'm sure you can find That's that. Right. If you yeah. that, you can find that anywhere yep. podcasts are found. And if you want to, you want to get a dose. I'm sure it's still a heavy dose of tech, and probably oh, even big, in style, heavy dose. You did it before, right? It's same a, style. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I love the it. tech part is like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just kind of blow through blow through the links. Mike's Mike, thanks for jumping in tonight as well. Always good to see you. We'll do a little bit of post-show uh, with that. A couple reminders uh, kind of on on our way out. One, don't forget TheAverageGuy.tv hosted and uh, kind of sponsored by Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people that you know and you trust. You know, it's Christian doing a great job for us. He's got room for more partners, by the way. Anybody who wants to host a website, do some kind of media hosting, it's super secure and he'll... Get you super fast service. So maplegrovepartners.com plan start as little as $10 a month. Mike, I think you're you're using Maple Grove for a, a site and some email. I am. Yep. As well. Contact Christian. He'll get you hooked up um, as well. A couple reminders. Send me an email. Jim at the average guy got dot TV. I've been having trouble talking all day. I'm not sure what's <laughs> going on there. Maybe it's just Thursday. You can also download the app if you want to listen live on the road. We don't really do that right now. But when we do, homegadgetgeeks.com. And uh, we are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at TheAverageGuy.tv live. This may be the first one in a while. We didn't go over an hour and 20. So enjoy the extra time that you have uh, if you're listening to the podcast. Thanks for doing that. 
Um, by the way, if you are a podcast listener and you haven't done it yet, head up to theaverageguy.tv slash subscribe. Get on our mailing list every, well, not most, I'm calling it mostly weeks. I will send you some kind of uh, some kind of just quick notification, a little bit of what's going on with me and then some updates uh, here on the, on the network. Theaverageguy.tv slash subscribe, sign up. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. We, if you're listening live, stay around for a smidgen of post-show and the emergency Bud Light will get open during the post-show. With that, we'll say goodbye, everybody.